cruise the blue. Hit the spot, laced up like I usually do. Way I shine is the crime cats might wanna sue. Nothing new, I've been on the walk out here with a few. That's the wonder. Nothing gotta slide with her. Home check if it's the sun, I concur. Wrestling Connection Podcast Network listeners, welcome back to the Wrestling War Zone, Monday Wars Podcast retrospective series i am jc and joining me as ever is my partner chad chad how are you doing good how's it going not too bad not too bad i'm ready for pay-per-view night always a big one here yeah it's always exciting to do a pay-per-view especially one that's had a lot of build as we talked to i do have a little bit of a story before we get into it yeah so we had a yard sale uh last weekend kind of a little bit impromptu. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My granddad's trying to downsize his stuff. So he was selling his uh, camper. and uh, He ended up selling his camper, his mercury, a bunch of bunch of liquidation going on. <laughs> um, so I like cobbled up some of my stuff, DVDs, picture, you know, just basic stuff. Right, right. So, so we're at the sale Saturday morning. Everything's ho hum. You get the general like negotiation going down from a dollar to seventy five cents that I always love. Like that quarter's really a make it or break it. But um, I digress. Uh, and then this guy comes up and he's with a with a lady and looking around. They stay for a while. They buy a couple of things. He comes up to pay. And he says, oh, wow, y'all got a lot of good stuff here. And he's like, yeah. And at this point in time, my granddad hadn't sold the camper. And he was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at that camper and get a closer look. And I said, okay. So I let him in there. He looked around. And uh, him and the woman he was with, and he introduced, said, this is my wife, so-and-so. So then we get out of the camper. He's packing up his stuff. And he says, you know, I'm going to think about the camper. I'm going to bring my other wife uh, to get a look at it and we'll let oh. you know said that right you know so yeah right in front of the one wife so uh took took me a little off guard i think i, I like visibly like did the jim halpert uh <laughs> you know look at the camera like oh <laughs> so did he didn't come back expect it yeah he did come back with the other wife and got oh, the tour too but yeah uh didn't end up purchasing um, I was I was hoping they would purchase it, and we may see the uh, 1988 Mallard in an episode of Sister Wives <laughs> coming up. But um, I was gonna say which no, Sister that, Wife was uh, was better? Which you which we did? Uh, I, <laughs> I would guess the first, but hmm. I don't know. It was uh, they looked a lot alike. Think they're sisters? I don't think they're legitimately okay. sisters, but they had the same look. Um, but, you know, I mean, like, I don't know, like, I don't have much frame of reference. It literally is the show pretty much Sisters Wives. But that dude that was on that show, he kind of looked, I, I, I guess he, he had the look to me that he would mm-hmm. be uh, someone that would uh, have that. But, um, I mean, this guy, I had no idea. And, I mean, it's Georgia, so it's not exactly common. So it was uh, it was interesting just to hear it out there but you know, i feel like number two like must two. be the number two that game must be the the tough one if he if he brought her and then said no she's, yeah she's gonna be the one running the show well he was still he said he was still thinking about it but he kind of it sold shortly after number two took the tour so i don't know if there's only two or hmm. if uh 
There could have been, you know, it was like, let's make a deal behind door number three. <laughs> we could have had somebody else running in. But, um, no, yeah, it was, uh, it was an itch. That was the highlight of the art sale was him saying, all right, I'm going to bring my other wife to look at it, too. It's like, okay. <sighs> I'm so over yard sales. I hate them. They're, my mother-in-law wanted yeah. to do one last weekend, and we ended up getting it axed. Uh, the, and it was good because it ended up being really hot out, but <clears throat> it was just too much because we had like softball and some other stuff. And I'm like, I, and I've said it, like I'm not, not participating. I don't care. I don't want to cut. I don't want anything. <laughs> like just leave me out of it. Yeah, I went very low effort on this one. I got lucky that uh, a big nerd that still collects DVDs came in. You know, I had a stack of just DVDs from the years of movies and TV shows. Mm -hmm. He offered me like $50 for the lot, and I was like, take it. You know, I mean, yeah, like that was about 50 cents per DVD, like maybe. Like we're talking seasons of Seinfeld, but at at this point it's like whatever. Like, I mean, they're just collecting dust, you know, so. Yeah, it's like a certain deal that we used to get, 50 cents a DVD. <laughs> yes, it is. It was uh, the uh, J.O. special. So, Mm-mm. All right, why don't we uh, go ahead and dive into our show tonight. Like we talked about, it's it's a pay-per-view on the WCW side that we have been marching to for a while. It, it was a while ago that we were talking Fall Brawl. It feels like a year ago. Um, this is October 27th, 1996, Fall Brawl was September 15th. So it's been a full six weeks of Nitro here, uninterrupted between pay-per-views. This is taking place in the MGM Grand Garden Arena, 10,000 in attendance in Las Vegas. Uh, Of course, our usual pay-per-view commentary crew of Tony Schiavone, Bobby Heenan, and Dusty Rhodes are with us in the booth. We get our usual opening video package, kind of a quick one, really just recaps the journey of the NWO to this point tonight. Uh, And it's a big fight night here in Vegas. We get the announcers setting things up. And we head right to the ring for our opening match. And that is Ray Mysterio Jr. taking on Dean Malenko. And, of course, this has been kind of building for a while. Malenko's had Mysterio's mask. These guys pretty much been rivals since Mysterio's arrival back in June. Bobby talks about Malenko being super focused and ignoring anyone who even talks to him while he was checking into the hotel. Just kind of, you know, in his own world. Today comes into the booth for this one as well. So we got four men. Malenko attacks at the bell with hard kicks and a tight back suplex for two. Today talks about Malenko stealing the mask as he snaps Ray down with a power bomb, but Ray counters out of a close uh, of the cloverleaf attempt. Dean lays in some strikes, but Mysterio keeps trying to slip free and duck and dodge, and he ends up with a flurry to send Malenko outside to regroup. Malenko shows off the mask, but he eats a springboard drop kick. Ray flies into him on the floor of the somersault senton. He takes his mask back and then swaps it off with the one on his face. Kind of makes a statement that that's, that's the one he's reclaimed. Ray stays hot until Malenko cuts him off with a nice side suplex. Tanae says they're tied 2-2 two to two in big televised matches. So this is their rubber match. Malenko hoists Ray up and just chucks him against the ropes. So it looks like it hurt. Twists into a single leg crab and then twists into a surfboard. Tony talks about why the fans don't attack uh, attached to Dean much because he's focused and he has a workmanlike attitude. And Bobby says because people are lazy. They want everyone else to do their work, but he's the one that does it. Malenko puts Ray on the top rope, gets a nasty super back suplex for two, hooks on a head scissors and snaps Ray down to a stiff vertical suplex for two. Dean's offense has just been so crisp all through this. Tony tucks up all the stars that have come through MGM as Ray gets a flash near fall on a small package, but Dean keeps control. Tonight talks about Ray's travel schedule as Dean cranks a camel clutch, snaps a tight tilt-to-whirl backbreaker for two. Malenko batters the back, goes to a sleeper, drops to the mat, and hooks a grapevine. 
everything Malenko is doing here is just vicious and has so much snap to it. Just throwing Ray around like a rag doll. Ray keeps surviving as Dean is grinding him to dust with all different kinds of submissions on the map. Tony asks if anyone spotted Nick Patrick yet tonight, but no one has. Mysterio slugs back. Both end up on the floor. Ray gets posted. He gets inside with a crossbody for two. Gets a springboard somersault senton for two. Keeps going for flash pins, but Malenko hangs in, hits a tight clothesline. Starts to try and put Ray away, but ends up getting dumped outside. Ray meets him with a springboard corkscrew press, and then gets two on a springboard harakarana. Tries another springboard, but this time Dean catches him at a powerbomb for two. They battle to the top rope. Dean blocks a Hurricanrana and hits it with a super gut-wrench powerbomb to a huge pop and the win and the title. Awesome match. Uh, it was crisp. It was on point. It was tight. It was sharp. Malenko's offense was top-notch. Ray selling was amazing. Everything was super smooth. It all made sense. It blended, um, you know, map-based precision of Malenko. It blended in the flying. And the finish made sense with Malenko just being in god mode and completely outlasting Mysterio to take his belt. So Ray gets his mask back, but he loses the belt. Uh, Chad, I went four stars, and like I think this is one of the best like Dean Malenko matches. I mean, Ray was good, but Malenko was like flawless in this match. Oh yeah, uh, I went four stars too. Um, little revert. I mean, I thought it was a really good Dean performance, but I was uh, really impressed by Ray too, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, as we get to uh, these two have now really kind of hit a home run both. Uh, for me, with the Great American Bash match, the Nitro match at uh, MGM Studios, and um, now this one, I, I, I think the thing I like the most is the feud itself has kind of progressed, and uh, as a result, the matches have as well. This mm-hmm. one felt a little more personal. Um, I liked with the Ray kind of getting his mask back uh at the beginning and then uh, yeah like the cool arm drag by ray teases the dive to sort of set things up and then he does the somersault senton and is able to take his mask but i would say the uh the match really kicks into the next gear when dean does take over um he catches him in the side suplex works the leg and back and just he had a ton of different kind of combinations um, and there was a lot of really good hope spots by Ray to keep things moving along. Um, I like that Dean kind of moved through like the camel clutch, the sleeper, the variation of the Northern Lights suplex with the arm kind of captured. All that was uh, impressive, a very impressive control segment. Um, and Ray bump, Ray's bumps off of the high impact moves of Dean. I just looked awesome. So then Mysterio gets the somersault into the pen, and we get a big sequence of pit attempts getting to raising the drama up. Uh, I mean, probably actually my biggest critique of the show, and I'll just give it up top, and that's an overarching thought of the show overall, is I'm not too impressed by the Las Vegas crowd. Mm. Uh, I thought they were pretty dry and had some... I guess weird reactions. I I think that kind of goes in part with Las Vegas just being a little bit of an alien market for WCW. I know it's one that Bischoff was really fond of. Uh, I just don't think it played wonderfully for a lot of things here, but those pin attempts did draw in the crowd on this match, which was impressive. The springboard corkscrew by Ray looked good. Uh, Rana gets the near fall, and then my favorite near fall was uh, Dean catching him in the power bomb. The crowd did go nuts for that. That was one of 
the best near falls area on sea actually uh mm-hmm. so then then the finish i thought worked well with another gut wrench power bomb dean wins clean uh thought bobby really put him over huge throughout the match was really high on malenko um so very impressive opener we're off to a great start four stars i had this actually i I do have the Great American Bash matches four stars too, and I didn't know it. I ranked both of them an eight point one out of ten, uh, but I do give this one a slight nod. So I think this is the best match these two have had this year. I would agree. Just I don't have the uh, statistics down like that, but I would agree that this is the one I enjoyed the most um, for sure between the two of them. Um, just just great stuff and a great way to open the show. Uh, Stagger Lee Marshall's backstage with Jeff Jarrett. He's ready for his giant challenge tonight. He talks about pride and tradition and getting the job done. In comes Ric Flair to give his support to Jarrett. He wants to orchestrate a meet and greet of all the Las Vegas women and Jarrett after his big win tonight. So it feels like we're continuing to kind of do a little bit of torch passing with the Nature Boy and Double J. Yeah, a lot of uh, hanging and um, buddying up between Nature Boy and Jarrett. I think the biggest takeaway from the promo itself was Jarrett just saying he wasn't going to get choke slammed. So I was interested to see if that come in play in their match later. All right. So back to the room we go. And another feud that's really been building for a while here is Eddie Guerrero taking on Diamond Dallas Page. Uh, of course, it's a battle of the Battle Bowl ring where Eddie won it from Page and Page has had it tucked away and never gave it over to Eddie. Um, and Paige has been running through the Guerrero family. So Eddie kind of is the main boss of that for him. So this has been going for a bit. It was a clash, right? Where they fought over the ring. So it's, yeah, that was August. So yeah, I've been going for a while. DDP swaggers is really on point here. He's really coming to his own. Eddie's focused. He wants his revenge. He attacks at the bell. We do see Nick Patrick is the ref here. Eddie smothers Paige. He hammers around, follows Paige out. He'd steal back inside. Eddie turns the tide, works the arm and the neck. Does dodges a page offense and cranks away. Page comes back with a dragon sleeper as Dusty accuses Page of working for the NWO. Eddie dropkicks Page. He lands with the ropes uh, between the ropes, but Eddie kicks him to the floor, follows him out, and slugs away. Eddie comes back with a slingshot senton for two. DDP comes back and crotches Eddie on the top rope. Dusty doubts Patrick would uh, would work if he was that badly injured, so he thinks it's fake. DDP dumps Eddie outside, follows out Bobby, gives him some shit for wasting time. Back inside, Paige starts to lean on Eddie and tries to cover with his feet on the road, so Patrick stops the count. Paige pancakes Eddie and starts to work the back, goes into a abdominal stretch, hits a jaw jacker and a tilt-to-whirl suplex for two. Paige argues with Patrick, and Eddie slugs back at him, but charges, and Paige ducks. He flies to the floor. When he returns, we get a quick flurry of pin covers by both guys, but neither can finish. Paige mashes Eddie with a clothesline, but Eddie comes firing back again, takes Paige down with a big uppercut. Eddie hammers away some more. Paige battle, bails out. Eddie dives hard into him and smashes his knees. Paige snaps Eddie's neck across the top rope and hits a flapjack for two. Gets two on a powerbomb and then hits a diamond cutter and beats Eddie Guerrero clean, which completely surprised me. I did not see that coming. Uh, Paige holds up the battle bull ring uh, after the match, so he had it. Uh, pretty good match that had a lot of time. It was hard fought. Uh, pretty good back and forth. DDP's obviously come a long way. Uh, I do think it was clunky in some spots, but it told a pretty straightforward story. Eddie was good down the stretch, but this was definitely an upset win. Like, I I did not expect Paige to win clean, uh, but the Diamond Cutter is super protected, so we'll see where it takes them from here. I went three stars on this, Chad, so really, really good stuff. Um, and again, a surprising finish. You think they called an audible on the finish? Or no? 
I don't know. Um, I guess it's possible. Why you I think, think it, Eddie, seemed off? Yeah, I think Eddie got hurt here. Or broke a oh, rib. Okay. Um, let me check his cage match to see if he missed time. But um, yeah, I believe this is where he. he no, he's break. on the next night. He is on the um, next night. I know that. So, but he is. He know. is. He is like banged up. I remember on the next night. Uh, I think he's like pretty bandaged up and stuff. So maybe he was. Maybe he got it through the next night and then took some time or something. But um, yeah, it did feel like potential like that. But uh, do you think they already knew that like the U.S. title was in jeopardy? Like that they may continue this feud on? Like maybe this wasn't meant to be the blow off, you know? Maybe. Uh, I, it, it did look like both from the uh, the way the diamond cutter got hit and then the way the announcers were baffled that that was the finish. Right. I don't know. It was a lot. I went three and a quarter on the match. I, I like the match for the most part. I do believe there's a couple moments of clunkiness. Uh, but overall, like you, I, I thought it was just a, a pretty well done story that featured two, uh, you know, gr- one great wrestler and one wrestler that's kind of coming into his own. So I do always like that. Um, I know I critiqued Paige's tights. On the prior uh, prior Nitro, he looked a lot mm-hmm. better tonight. He had black and orange uh, tights there. Uh, I liked from the beginning him sending Eddie into the guardrail and taking over the match. Also, so this is a big night for Nick Patrick. This is his first assignment, even though he's mentioned in the first match. Um, yeah. I thought his progression throughout the night was really well done. So right here, you know, kind of two... WCW wrestlers, he calls this match pretty straight, which is cool to see his progression overall. Uh, so DDP gets caught in the ropes. Eddie kind of kicks him out. Then uh, he gets sent into the guardrail. A fan loses half his popcorn off of that spot, which <laughs> was interesting. Um, I did think Bobby was a little too uh, extreme in defending Nick Patrick. Yeah. Uh, I think he's in a little bit of a weird spot, but it's just one of those where I think he'd be better off just kind of laying out instead of being like overly positive. I think Larry has set the template of how to do it, right? He's like, he kind of does it without, but he plays it more like, I'm not going to buy into the paranoia and play their game. Yeah. Like, I haven't seen enough to be convinced, and that's that. Whereas Bobby's like doing the classic, you know, over defend the heel stuff. Yeah, like you could, like it, there would be a way to say, like, I know he's had some questionable calls, but so far in this match, he's been fair, etc. Um, so right. that was good. Um, DDP hits that waistlock gut gut buster. So again, we're seeing him kind of add to his move set. Tilt a whirl slam. Eddie uh, lands on the top. Uh, that gets a two count. Um, uh, they fire off against each other. Some more reversals of pins. DDP gets the standing lariat. Got a nice pop from the crowd. Thought that looked good. Uh, uh, and then we go to the finish where, again, I, it was it was a little weird where after the huge splash from Eddie on the outside, they kind of are both down. They recover. And actually, DDP inside gets the next big move, which is the flapjack and the powerbomb. Um, and then hits the diamond cutter. Uh, so the finish to me was kind of the oddest point of the match, but like I said, mm-hmm. I thought it was fine. I mean, it's low in three and a quarter, but I went three and a quarter. 
All right, so we'll see where Paige, uh, you know, elevates from here. Yeah. Mike, today's backstage. He talks to Randy Savage, and this this is a really bizarre segment. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So they're pulling the grand prize drawing winner for the Macho Man Slim Jim Monster Truck, and it's like Savage from like March. He's kind of rambling and a beat. Today's reading disclosures about the contest. Then they pull the winning ticket as Joe Mikalek from Romulus, Michigan. And I, I just thought this was real goofy to have Savage do this when he's supposed to be a mental wreck. The whole story leading into this is he's mentally broken. He's been dark. He's walked out on TV. He's broken. What's his mind state going to be? And then he's here backstage acting like none of this has ever happened like it's it's just an odd presentation and i guess it's a peril of sponsorship because yeah obviously sam just tied to slim jim so it's not even like they could have him be subdued or have someone else step in i, I don't know how else they could have done this i don't think they could have even done like oh we pre-taped this weeks ago because the contest was probably not complete until now so i guess they were kind of stuck there was no way around it but I don't know. I wish he could have played it up just a little bit that maybe Savage wasn't himself, right? They don't really um I don't know. I don't know how I, I guess there's no way out, but it just felt like he wasn't referring at all to the mental state that we've been p- painting him to be in to this. No. Point. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a peril of sponsorship if they mm-hmm. had any say so, meaning WCW. If they had any say so in the matter whatsoever, they should have had Savage be more subdued or mention right. like, you know, like my head's not in the best space, but you know, hopefully this will help out the winner or something. Yeah, something yeah, that just regard. a little something. Um, yeah, just a but I, I can only guess this was pretty much directed by Slim Jim. Um, I think so. Hopefully. Um, and yeah, as a result, it's very odd and uh, kind of sucks. I mean, it, it really shouldn't be on the pay per view, but it has to be on the pay per view, probably with the uh, sponsorship agreement. So it's 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 unfortunate. Yeah, they were really in a corner. I I think even if you don't do it in this segment, like even if you had an earlier segment where it's like Savage is backstage and says, "All right, I'll do it," you know, or or at least even have Tony say it, like. No one from Slim Jim is going to be watching probably the whole freaking thing. So, like, right. what if Tony says before the segment, okay, we're going to Macho Man next. You know, he has agreed to give it his all despite everything going on to make it worthwhile for the winner, right? Like, just, like, something. Just yeah. explain it. Yeah, you that know, would probably, they could have done that more than likely, so that would have been good. Like, I don't think we're nitpicking. Like, this is, like, the biggest storyline of the promotion right now. <laughs> like, this is – it has dominated, week, you know, hours and hours of TV time. Um, and it's, like, all the stuff with Liz and the hotel and the swing and the movie set. Like, all this time and effort has been put into this. And here he is just acting like a goof. Like, at, like he's at, like, a nitro party. Like, it's just, it's just weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, all right. So off of that, we get Tanae and Shivani talk about how you can listen to a real audio simulcast of the pay-per-view on CompuServe. And then we see Jericho chatting with fans via like a tech guy. Uh, I was this is early. Like I, I know like. Online was a thing by now, obviously, because I was on there and WCW had a, a hub on CompuServe as early as 95. WF was pretty settled in on AOL by this point. 
But the fact that they were doing real audio live casts of the pay-per-view is it was pretty crazy. I think for October '96. Like, yeah, no, and I mean they they had the, the dress up too. I I was trying to think when I watched this, like what would be the equivalent now that if they tried some, it'd be like, oh wow, that's new tech. Um. Oh God, 3D. I, I don't. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I mean, my mind Hologram. went to something VR. Yeah, like I yeah. think that would be the only thing I could think of. Like if you could watch the pay-per-view through oculus or something like that and it'd be like you're there um i i don't know i mean it's it feels like we've regressed in some ways tech wise because this seemed i mean i know like this is a good two years before i'm online and even the matter of uh streaming audio is uh Mm -hmm. seems seems very foreign so it's pretty cool yeah i know they I think it's 97 or 98, right? Don't they do an internet video stream? It's like a house show in Boston or whatever. Yeah, they do the what, Bedlam and Beantown or whatever they call it. Yeah, that's, uh, right. I want to say 98. Yes, yeah, so that's, I mean, but even that feels a little bit more in tune. Like 98 mm-hmm. feels a little bit more like, okay, we're on, like websites are a little bit more of a thing. Like right now it's kind of their hubs and that's it. Like it's not even, you know. Right. It's not even yeah. like like the, I don't I don't know if dirty.com or dirty.com even existed. You know what I mean? Like I think it was just the AOL home site or whatever. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, this this caught me off guard. I was like, oh wow, like good on them. Like I don't, I don't think anyone would expect WCW to be like this far ahead of the the game, you know? And, uh, well, what have the, this on ECW the Cyber Slams? What exactly did that entail? I don't think it was streamed on the internet. I think it was just a internet fan convention. So oh. it was like folks that were on the me- online or on the message board or whatever would travel in and they would do like panels and different stuff. Okay. I don't think there was, you know, I don't think they even had a website at that point, ECW. Okay. I was wondering. But that, um, yeah, I think that's what that was. So, I mean, and I'm curious, like, were they providing a separate audio stream or were they just picking up the commentary and streaming it on, on audio. Yeah, I would think, yeah, I would think it'd just be direct into the feed because like Tanae, I mean, the only people I could see that would be doing that would be like Tanae and Marshall and they both are doing so many other right. interview stuff. Yeah, but they, they did have, but in the future when they do the internet stuff, don't they have like, who are the random dudes? Well, um, Barash gets his start. Right doing that junk but I, I don't think they'd have that at this point I right now wasn't there someone named chad something or something uh, yeah no i can't remember his name but yeah yeah okay um anyway today and uh is with dean malenko now he talks about his win tonight welcomes anyone else that wants to step in line to get a shot of the belt we then cut to the crowd. We see Ted DiBiase and the Giant. DiBiase says Jarrett made a big mistake turning down the NWO's invitation. He says it's not a smart move. But now he's going to show that Jarrett's a fool to align with Flair and feeling like it's a privilege to face the Giant tonight. Even Flair isn't a fool enough to face Giant alone. And then Giant issues a final warning. He says all the horsemen are headed to the glue factory, which made me laugh. You know, any thoughts uh, on DiBiase promo? No, it was... It was it, uh, a couple of things. So first, if you type in Chad WCW Internet into Google, first result is Chad Brock, Chad Fortune. 
And then uh, right below that, Chad Campbell Campbell. at Big Boys Play WCW. (laughs) So there you go. Perfect. Big time. No, um, the uh, so so I guess we can talk about this. Like the WCW, I mean NWO entrances in Mm -hmm. the show. It was. I thought it was unique. Um, I kind of liked it in that, like they have their own, you know, entrance. It shows they're not. You know, kind of associating with the locker room, right? Um, so I like that, uh, but but it, you know, it, I mean, DiBiase's promo here for the Giant was fine. Um, it it was weird to see DiBiase, Vincent, and the Giant there. It brought me back to uh, WrestleMania Four with Andre. <laughs> yes. so, him well, coming this down is like Trump the pairing. Plaza. It seems like I know we don't have like an A and B team yet, but we kind of have a like two squads running it almost feels like the outsiders are kind of their thing and then it feels like hogan's crew is dibiase giant and virgil like it, or yep. Vincent. it feels like those are kind of his boys and they're they're all united they're all united but then it's like the outsiders of six are kind of like their own little team yeah run separate it feels like yeah i agree with that no nwo sting at all on this show so right the lackey. He, wasn't even, he wasn't even hanging out. <laughs> so. But I do like the NWO making the crowd their thing. Like, you know, this is a, a been a thing for a bit. It continues a little bit more where they're, yeah, they just like hang out in the crowd wherever they want and yeah, observe I, and, and talk from the crowd and, and everything like that. That's where I have sort of conflicting thoughts. Um, as we get through the show, it's not as pressing here. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's really in the Outsiders match, but um, again, with this crowd and what we talked about, I mean, like you've made the NWO look so strong, it's kind of natural they were getting babyface reactions. Um, I mean, I don't necessarily know if that's good or bad as long as you're staying true to your characters and like right. not making WCW look lame, which they they don't for some portions, but. It's it's a fine line. I mean, it's it's a little difficult. Like, I mean, when the giant was coming through the crowd, he was getting a pretty good reaction. Um, I mean, this was definitely a pro NWO crowd, which again, like I said, I think it was more like casuals, high rollers in Vegas. So that's the thing that's bringing them in. Even more of a WrestleMania four or five vibe with the uh, Andre. Do you guys see? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. For sure. I mean, in a lot of ways, it felt like that type of crowd. Yeah. Right. yeah. I mean, the only thing you can think of, too, is. Um, is it also like distracting, too, at times by having them out there? Because it is a lot of the crowd turned a lot of the time and um, it does take away from the matches a bunch when they're out there. So but they it works. It, it creates good chaos. So it's it's a weird dichotomy. And I did like on this show, they. Uh, even when the matches get shoddy, it's not full blown like run ins by the other NWO members. Right, right. They do mention that on commentary later on that like the NWO members are getting escorted out of the arena by security. So that's kind of a good um, like way they can protect that. Um, but that helps. I mean, that, that if they keep that up, then that should help with conditioning and not looking for an NWO run-in. We'll see. I mean, we'll see how consistent they are with that. That, to me, was a step in the right direction. Um, I know it goes the other way, but we'll see how quickly it does. 
All right, well, that match is up next. Jeff Jarrett taking on the Giant. Giant has the U.S. title with him. Tony says he didn't win that belt. He also notes the NWO is heavily secured. They'll be escorted to and from the ring tonight. And again, it is a cool vibe of Giant marching through the crowd, just head and shoulders above everyone else yeah. as he comes in. I did. Um, D.B. is really tall. Like, I mean, yeah. you know that. But, like, when he was doing that promo right there next to the Giant, like, I don't know. Like, Giant probably had two or three inches on him, but it wasn't like a lot. It wasn't like it was right. a whole head. Like, D.B. probably legitimately 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. Yeah, he's a big dude. Even when he used to show, you know, fight Hogan and stuff, like, they were almost toe-to-toe a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah. Nick Patrick is the ref again. Jarrett comes out as Tony gets pissed that Patrick's holding up the belt. He says it's not a title match. Why is he doing that? Flair, Ric Flair's music fires up. He comes to the ring to a pop. Giant shoves Jarrett at the bell, but Jarrett smacks him back and struts and then dodges some strikes. He sticks and moves. He's aggravating the Giant. Grabs a side headlock, but Giant deadlifts and throws him to the mat. Jarrett goes up top, but Giant snap mirrors him to the mat. Jarrett pops back up and grabs a sleeper. Giant drives into the buckle. Jarrett leaps off the middle rope and goes to another sleeper. He hammers away in the corner, but runs into a hard big boot and flies to the mat for a good near fall. Uh, that was a, a cool looking bump. Flair grabs a chair, but backs off as Giant drops an elbow, then headbutts his groin. Giant gets a backbreaker and bends him over his knee. Flair grabs a mic and tries to rally Jarrett, but Giant keeps clubbing him. Things slow way down as Giant mashes Jarrett around and hooks a bear hug. Jarrett comes back with two big drop kicks and then tries to slam Giant, but he collapses backward for a near fall. Giant eats a boot on a charge, and Jarrett comes hammering away. It's a high cross body for two. Jarrett loads up the figure four, but Giant kicks him to the floor, then heads out but misses a charge and runs into the post. Jarrett hooks the figure four on the floor, but Giant grabs his throat to break it up and just pulls him up by it. He then loads the choke slam, but Flair comes over and hits a low blow to draw the disqualification. Out come the horsemen. They stand on the ground as the Giant leaves. I thought this was surprisingly fun. Uh, it was well-structured. Jared is wrestling smart. He was trying to find gaps, kind of hanging in through heavy fire best he could. The finish is whatever. Like, you got to protect Giant. I get it. Jared's new. And you might as well use Flair. He's out there. Fine. Uh, but both got a lot of shine. The crowd is into it. And, again, it feels like a little torch passing at the end with Flair and Jared. So I think Jared delivered on his promise to really take it to Giant. Like, he he was aggressive in the ring, really brought the fight. And this ended up being a, a, a nice little piece of business. I went two and a half. Yeah, I went three. I like this pairing a lot um, from memory, and it held up. Um, I kind of like their series the next couple of pay-per-views, so we'll see if that continues. But I I thought this was – this and the tag title matches were the – crowd, and really the the Faces of Fear match, too. There's three. Uh, The crowd kind of let me down. Um, I – it's so weird because I, I just don't know. Like, everything Jarrett does in this match, I think, is good from a babyface perspective. And it's one of those, like, in wrestling where I just don't know if I'm disconnected from the general sentiment or what. Like, do people just not think it's authentic? Mm-hmm. Or why does he – or too regional? Or I don't know why he doesn't get the reaction he's going for, but – yeah, I mean, like, his resiliency in this match I thought was well done. The sleeper spots were done with desperation. He bumped tremendously when he should have. His selling with the back, I thought, helped get uh, Giants' control sequence over. And then uh, even with the finish, like, I agree. Like, it's kind of a finish where you have to protect both so that it's a, it's a you know, a, a shoddy finish on the surface. But I like the way it was executed 
where Jarrett has this figure four locked on and it shows the length and power of the giant where he grabs him by the throat, picks him straight up, uh, is going to put the chokeslam on him. And then he's kind of saved by flair. I, I like the finish a good bit, actually. Um, and like the horseman coming out, it, it felt organic to me. It, it actually, this, this whole Jarrett flair buddy system, mm-hmm. it does feel a little more organic than I remembered so far. We'll see right. if that stays, but, um, as of now, like it slid in where it, it fit that Jarrett was kind of becoming, uh, an, an impromptu horseman. So I, I enjoyed this match through stars. Good. Yeah. The Jarrett and authentic things. Interesting. I, I don't, I, maybe it's just like years of him now being a <clears throat> like smarmy fake smiley heel where everything he says just feels that way. Yeah. I don't know a way around it. Honestly, like I was trying to think, what if he changes gear and dumped the suspenders and just did like, like his old, uswa tights or whatever like would that help i don't know i don't know what it is that would make him not seem that way he's just it's just his presentation it's it's hard to get by it and everything does feel kind of fake about it like i keep waiting for the shoe to drop where he's being like fake you know fake nice or whatever but mm-hmm. um i think it's just been conditioned especially to this point that's all he's really been on the main stage over the last three years is just fake so yeah yeah it's it's unfortunate because his work otherwise is really well done yeah i mean we've been on board as with face jarrett in the ring for sure since he arrived here um and even some of the stuff we've cut on tna never dies so it was a face like that's been some of my favorite jarrett stuff i've seen um in the ring so we're getting Mm -hmm. a dose of a hero see how long it holds up but for now it's he's delivered for sure since he uh since he's arrived all right, we have DiBiase and Vincent back in the crowd. DiBiase says that's an NWO win. It was the only way Jarrett would escape alive, and Chris Jericho will be next. Ted puts over Jericho as an athlete, but says it's wrong place, wrong time. He's got a chance to get better tonight when he takes on the best cruiserweight. Six comes in and says, tonight Jericho will be crucified for WCW sins, and the cruiserweight title will belong to the NWO soon. Uh, I thought said another pretty good interview. I like DiBiase as a mouthpiece. I, I feel like he's a little forgotten to time but with the NWO. Uh, but I, I think he's been crucial in these early months for them. I mean, they yeah, have a bunch I, of talkers, obviously. They got like four of the really good talkers in the group, but he just brings this air of like sinister. All those years of being a sinister millionaire have paid off with this, you know? Yeah, he doesn't feel like he's out of place so far. And right. he feels like an integral kind of cog as the. Uh, kind of the GM, you know, the benefactor, but also like the GM of the group to mm-hmm. a degree. So I, I enjoyed him tonight. Way better right. than what he was doing in WWF. <laughs> yeah, I mean, has anyone like, I, I think it's overlooked when you think of like guys that jump and it's so dramatically different for them. Like yeah. think of his 96 split in half so far. Yeah. The first half was such a turd. Like we couldn't stand him on raw. Uh, and, and look at him now. I, I guess the singles for Hogan, <laughs> like mm-hmm. and DiBiase, both were brutal the first six months of the year, four, four or five months of the year. And now they both become like, you know, some of the best parts of the show. Yeah. Even like, even sixes, like yeah. his, his work was fine, but he was such a bitch in WWF and now he's looking good too. So yeah, Let's take a bit of uh, I would say, I would say Hall and Nash are the only ones that have kind of consistently, I mean, Nash more so right. like Nash has been pretty awesome throughout 96 and uh, Hall raised 
there's been a little more hit or miss, but still but much better than what DBIC and Six were doing in WWL. So, yep, it's less jarring. All right, that brings us to this match. As Six takes on Chris Jericho, Tony reminds us this is first, uh, Six's first WCW pay-per-view match. Bobby talks up Six's ability, pissing off Tony. Jericho jogs out. He's been red hot, and this is another big spot for him. He takes Six down off a lockup. We get a quick flurry to a standoff. Nick Patrick, yet again, refereeing here. Forgot with a bad neck. They're really running him out here, match after match. It's quite a little questionable work. Like, I feel like it's almost too much. Like, they have other refs. It feels like... I, look, the, the storyline itself is a bit overkill, but it almost feels like we we're hammering it too much by having a legit ref every match. Yeah, I agree with that in principle. Um, I'm more forgiving of it on this show for a couple of reasons. One, I think you can, you know, you could retcon it by saying like, oh, well, Eric Bischoff's the one assigning the referees. We know where he stands. Right, you right. Know? And two, in in this kind of standalone bottle show, mm-hmm. uh, like I said, Patrick's progression's pretty good. Where the first match, WCW versus WCW, he's, you know, arguing with both wrestlers, but calls right. it pretty clean. And Giant versus Jarrett, he showed some tendencies, but enough to where you still could get, like, Larry right. saying, well, you know, I don't know. I could see it this way or not. Then we get to this match where it's pretty obvious. And then his final match, he referees. It's, you know, he's put in a bind where he actually has to overtly, you know, make a decision. And he does. So, well, I, I like that progression. It was like over the four matches, he goes from, uh, he basically breaks bad over the four matches we see right. tonight, which is cool to see. But this has been a consistent thing where he refs a shitload of matches on all these shows. Like yeah, no, like before it's been worse. Um, I, I, I think I have a bigger problem when it's uh, WCW versus WCW. Because, again, if it's WCW versus NWO, you can say, like, all right. Right, but we don't get a lot of those matches on TV. And he'll do, like, I'm agreeing with you. I'm agreeing with you. God's sakes. All right. (laughs) I'm saying that, like, Teddy Long stuff is when it's at its worst because he's constantly in those matches. They're not WCW versus NWO, and he's uh, constantly bickering with Teddy. Right, and he'll do, like, four or five in a row. It just makes it unbelievable. Like, all through wrestling history in both companies, they've always rotated officials in matches, whether it's every three. Even if it's two, they at least would rotate back and forth. Usually it's at least three or four, right? They take turns and stuff. So it's just kind of goofy that all of a sudden he's out there doing four or five matches in a row. Same thing with Dangerous Danny Davis, though. No, he wouldn't do he that. I mean, I don't know. I'm not as dialed in on 1986. Yeah, TV, they trotted guess, him out there for all the Hart Foundation stuff. So it was the same thing. Like I said, if it's WCW versus WCW, right. he shouldn't be out there very often. So Right. Or just a regular rotation. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, he's here. Uh, six cranks inside headlock. Jericho reverses. They trade a series of missed moves. They fly around. We see the Dungeon of Doom in the crowd, including Kevin Sullivan in a suit, which felt very off-putting for some reason. Uh, didn't seem right as he's sitting out there. They continue to run through some quick strikes and throws until Jericho hooks an armbar. Jericho keeps pouring it on, but Six eventually knocks him off the top to the floor. Six works him over on the floor and then stomps and chops and kicks away in the ring. Did very methodical with the strikes. Six gets a rare chin lock as Bobby talks about dealing with the NWO. It will be like uh, when they all have have all the gold. What will it be like? 
Jericho busts free, but Six kicks him back down as Tony wonders if the dungeon are protecting Jericho, but Dusty thinks it's just mind games. Six stomps away, lands some more shots, but Jericho pushes free and decks him. Jericho comes back with a backdrop and knocks Six to the floor, meets him with a springboard crossbody. Jericho shoots Six to the railing and back inside, he has the back elbow off the top rope for a very slow two count by Patrick. Bobby defends the count and Tony says he's incriminating himself here. Jericho gets banged into the buckle, but he dropkicks six as he comes off the top for another slow count. Jericho pancakes six. It's a great lion salt into a bridge for a slow one count. Patrick is really dragging here. Jericho gets a springboard headbutt. After another slow count, the crowd is pissed. Six hits a spin kick. Patrick counts the fall, and then uh, that's it. So six wins. Patrick runs away from Jericho and walks off arm in arm with six, which is as blatant as we've seen. <laughs> His arms around each other's necks. Uh, I thought this was okay. It was, it was, I actually found it to be a little clunky and slow. Uh, they never really get the speed or smoothness to it. And I thought the end was good within the storyline as they're pushing the Patrick stuff along, but it did take away from like a natural flow to the match. I thought six looked solid. I thought Jericho shined a bit more than he did as his offense was more crisp and his bumping. But I, I would say this is a little disappointing to me. I went two and three quarters. Three and a quarter for me. I thought it was about on par with my expectations. Uh, I liked the match. I thought it was a good back and forth uh, that had good action. I mean, it was less story-driven than the opener, but in my mind also had some kind of exciting near falls. And I did like the progression uh, with the near falls and with Patrick integrated as... Um, the near falls were very interesting, like the lion salt and his uh, bridging pin. Those all looked really good, and it just got more blatantly obvious that Patrick was slow in his count, slow in his count, which Tony, I thought, did a good mm-hmm. job of keeping him in check on commentary. Um, and then the actual finish off of the spin kick uh, kind of worked because – one, it looked like kind of like a, a, a sudden kind of knockout type blow, which helps Six's credibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, two, the way that they were positioned in the ring, it works where, yeah, Patrick does a very normal count, which he hadn't been doing, but he was right. like in perfect position. So that kind of gives like a very slight out, but it's pretty obvious. Um, so, yeah, I mean, overall, I thought this was fun. I thought this was a good output. And uh, it's the type of match where, you know, Jericho can take goals. He's still looking, you know, impressive and like a good prospect. Six, uh, I thought, looked cowardly enough when he needed to, but also mixed in a lot of athleticism. His bumping was good uh, and then had good striking as well uh, when he needed it. Um, and then the uh, the visual of Patrick with his arm around six leaving was funny. And <laughs> yeah, that's what I hear. Tony was just uh, completely aghast at that, uh, which was amusing. So three and a quarter. I I enjoyed this match. Yeah, it was like super, super bland. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So I guess that's it. We'll see if we're finally getting the official uh, official official. Right. All right. Mike, today's backstage with Lex Luger and his hair is out of control here. It's like, (laughs) I don't know what they were going for. It's. It's like Ultimate Warrior 1990, but even more out of control. Like, it's just, I don't even know how to explain it. It's just sticking everywhere. It's its nuts. Uh, Lex says Arn wants to blame, uh, lay blame for war games on him, and Luger accepted it, but Arn kept pushing. So it's come to this where it didn't have to. He uses some weird flowers and cactus metaphor, but the point is Luger's dialed in. 
Uh, what did you think of this hair? Uh, hair's weird. Uh, luckily for him, it's not the worst uh, hair choice of the evening. So he does get bailed out by Mr. Hogan in the main event. <laughs> but um, yes. it's a little narcissist, I thought. Like it. No, but it's even the, crazier than that. It has the product in it, though. So. <laughs> I don't, yeah, know. I don't know. It was it was a little uh, ultimate warrior-ish actually, like 91, 92, like when or like Yeah, uh, but I think it was even crazier than that. Like I don't know, it's just odd. No, it's not great. No. And Bobby even so our match is actually Lex Luger versus Arn Anderson. Right away Bobby says Luger looks like Phyllis Diller uh with his hair. <laughs> so that was funny. Uh, Arn has a denim vest on, which I thought looked kind of cool, actually. Like, he should wear that more. It's kind of badass looking. <laughs> it's a real heat has been built between these two. Tony refreshes the issues between the two, stemming back to War Games fiasco. Good pop for Luger. Tony talks about Sting's role. Luger's hair, again, just out of control as Arn grabs control right away with a kick. Some clubbing blows. He focuses on the gut. Arn shoots from corner to corner and kicks away, but gets a little lazy. Luger comes rumbling back into a press slam, knocks Arn to the floor, pushes him into the ring post. Sullivan in the dungeon are rooting on for Luger as he power slams Arn and batters the back. That was a, kind of a cool touch and callback with Dungeon and Luger's little uh, relationship earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. Luger hits a backbreaker as Dusty busts up Tony for repeating his points. Very slow pace as Luger goes through some strikes. Lex eats a back elbow on a charge. Arn goes up top, but Luger crotches him, and he goes to the back. Tony puts over how aggressive Luger's being tonight. Arn reverses a whip and snaps off a spine buster and then dumps Luger outside. Back inside, Arn keeps pounding away on the lumbar. He goes to an abdominal stretch as Tony puts over Mark Curtis, picking up Nick Patrick's slack, especially since he uh, officially went NWO earlier, is what we're told. Lex blocks a DDT, hits a back elbow and a boot, but Arn ducks a charge and shoves him into the ref. Arn knocks Lex outside, but whiffs on a chair shot, and Lex slings him into the post. Lex batters Arn's back with a chair, then shoves him back inside and racks him to pick up the win. He keeps the hold on after the bell. The Desert of Doom are cheering him on to keep going. That was a really funny spot. Uh, Lex ends up leaving. Outcome of Jarrett and Flair they look very concerned. They help attend the trainers and stretcher him out as Tony thinks they're being a bit rough with Arn as they put him on the stretcher. Uh, this was pretty fun. They kept it simple. They kept it focused. They worked on the back. They had some extended shine for Luger. A lot of clubbing and striking, but it worked. The crowd was into it. Uh, and a good story. I thought the announcers did a nice job putting over how aggressive Luger's being as well, especially at the end when he got the revenge on the extended rack, paying back for all the attacks that the horsemen have been laying out. Uh, and the Dungeon of Doom was great, too, at ringside as they were buzzing for it. So I went two and three quarters on this as well. I thought it paid off the story well. And I want to see Luger now start to advance up. I went two and three quarters, uh, same as you. I I don't know. Like we talked about, I thought this was a nameless feud coming in. It's also not a parent I really love. It was probably about at the level I thought it would be. Um, but, you know, like um, <laughs> you can't be scared of coming on this show and kind right. of um, critiquing some of the uh, sacred cows of the Internet uh, wrestling community so we, we've given Owen Hart a tough time and mm-hmm. I do I do think in this match Orrin Anderson was very slow I think the injuries were definitely piling up and it wasn't yeah. just a storyline he uh, like psychology wise I thought this match was pretty strong with the dueling uh, back work and showing that Luger's more powerful can do more damage 
Um, and that results in him picking up the submission victory, which is a big deal. You know, like Orange not going to um, submit very often. So that's cool. But just in execution, uh, there was a few moments where I thought Orange was going pretty slow and a step behind. And uh, also some clunky moments like the catapult uh, to the post on the outside. He kind of barely gets up on that. Um, so, so overall, like, I, I just think this feud needs to end. And again, like this, we'll talk about it with this and the next match, but the whole Dungeon of Doom horseman agenda being ramped back up, um, it kind of felt like we were beyond that. I don't know why we're going back to that well. Um, right. It's not something I was itching to get back to. So, yeah, them like cheering Luger on when he has the rack is humorous, but, um, I, I don't know. I, it wasn't it wasn't something I was necessarily excited of. And Luger needs to distance himself quickly. From yeah, that yeah. Too. It um, feels like they don't. It feels like they want the dungeon to still be a thing, but they don't really know what else to do with them. And they kind of still have this Sullivan Benoit thing going. So yeah, yeah. It's I guess it is stuck together for right now until that feud's done. So right. Um, which I would be. I guess I wouldn't mind that feud as a standalone. It's just the rest of it. Like, to me, it bogs everybody else down. Um, but, yeah, I mean, at the end, I thought it was cool, the gravity. with uh, mm-hmm. Again, uh, Jarrett Jar- looked really weird. Like, it was Cowboy Jarrett. He had his boots yeah. on and all that. Like, when he first came out, I thought it was Kendall Wendell because he had his hair <laughs> pulled back, too. Right. Um, but uh, they, they, they try to put over the gravity I don't actually think this would have been an awful move to write off Arn period and have Jared as the four horseman. Um, like if this would have been it, but, uh, right. we'll, we'll see. But, uh, yeah, otherwise as the match, it was fine. I mean, you know, full disclosure, like this is one of the lowest matches that I've ranked on the night. I still liked it and thought it was very psychology sound. So it didn't drag the pay-per-view down too much. No, it was good. And nothing has so far. Everything's been enjoyable for sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Stagger Lee's backstage. He talks about Sting's absence. Then he brings in Harlem Heat, Colonel Parker, and Sensational Sherry. Lee compares Parker to getting horses ready for the races to preparing Harlem Heat. It's a it's a tough comp right there. Uh, Parker rambles on about WCW being proud of the greatest team in the world. Sherry says tonight will be Harlem Heat's day. And Booker calls out the NWOs wannabe thugs and says they will get jumped tonight. And then Stevie Ray closes it out. So again, fine. I think the Parker comparison is probably one they could have avoided, but pretty standard promo. Right. Yeah. I, you know, this was fine. Okay. Next match is one I've actually been looking forward to, but waiting for it. It's the Faces of Fear <laughs> taking on Chris Benoit and Steve Mongo McMichael. I guess this is continuation of the what you just talked about, the Judge with the Horse. Yeah. It feels different, though. Um, yeah, I mean... We'll get to it. I mean, the match is fine. Faces are fair, a little bit disconnected, but right. Yeah, I, I maybe it's just a Taskmaster thing. It's possible that's just the problem. Um, because I I don't necessarily have much of a problem with Jamie as the manager of the Faces of Fear. So. No, I don't either. I, I think they should just. I don't know. The dungeons is weird. Uh, All right. Tony says Arn's headed to the hospital. Flair's with him. Jimmy brings out the face of the fear. Dusty says the horseman's bad deeds against Luger came back to haunt them. Benoit and Mongo head out with Deborah and woman again. Well built. Uh, It could be a fun brawl. 
good choice to let Mongo be learning from Benoit as a team, too. I think it, it works pretty well. Mongo kind of catching the hot tags or being the heavy and getting to study Benoit in the ring. Mm-hmm. Great start as Ming throws a big kick. Mongo dodges and falls out of the way. They work through some holes into some fun shoulder blocks where neither man budges. Mongo smashes into Ming with a three-point stance charge, but Ming is back up and ready. Just a Haas war here. Barbarian and Benoit both tag in. We reset with some uh, mauling strikes with rapid aggression. Neither man gains any sustained control. We get some hard strikes landed, but then quickly uh, turns into comebacks and repeat. We see the dungeon still in the crowd as the two men trade strikes. Ming and Mongo reset us again. Ming wants a sumo battle, and he just runs Mongo to the corner, beats on him with hands. Mongo comes back with chop blocks to both uh, faces of fear until Ming kicks him down to cut it off. Face of Fear take turns battering Mongo as Dusty warns of the devilish women at ringside. Mongo hits a drop kick. Ming dodges a second one. Ming slams Mongo but misses a somersault senton. Benoit tags and comes in with a flurry. Barbarian blind tags and it's a nasty powerbomb to a pop for a two count. It's a great spot. Ming chokes and clubs away as he talks shit about ben- as he shit talks Benoit. Barbarian does the same and tries a superplex, but Benoit shoves him off. However, Barbarian leaps back up and hits a huge belly-to-belly throw, which looked really cool. The face of fear hit a double top rope headbutt as Tony talks about the old one save rule in tag matches from back in the day, meaning tag partners can only do uh, save their partner one time a match. Barbarian is a suplex. Ming buries Benoit with a splash off the middle rope, but Mongo makes a save. He pulls Benoit outside, bashes Ming with the Halliburton. We'll take it hurt. Benoit rolls in, <laughs> hits the top rope headbutt and wins the match for the horsemen. The dungeon doom flood the ring. They destroy the horsemen after. Barbarian crushes Mongo with a great pile driver, and Benoit eventually gets swarmed over despite doing his best to fight it off. Sullivan beats on Benoit with the briefcase and then stalks woman and steps down when Jimmy says she should have returned his call from Friday night. Crazy stuff going on uh, with those two in their own little world. Uh, The match itself is a super fun big man Haas beat down. Big time blows and strikes. Heavy brawling with some spots mixed in. Great pacing, too. No slow spots. No wear down holes. Just big time offense and a tight finish that worked well. Both teams are big assets to the card. And it shows that Mongo is improving as well. Uh, the, the war rages on with the horsemen of the dungeon. And uh, just a wild post-match scene as well. So I went three and a quarter on this chat. I really enjoyed the entire package. Yeah, three and a quarter for me. Um this is probably like our beefiest clunky match since Fire and Ice and Steiners. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm interested to see what Marcus thinks of this one because it feels like it'd be something kind of up his alley. Uh, it, it, it was a lot of fun. I mean, the sumo spot I thought was uh, hilarious. Yes. Uh, and then I liked Mongo like rolling around and doing the, the uh, football drills and leading to the chop blocks. Right? Like that made sense. Um, and then just the overall power moves. We've talked about like uh, Faces of Fear kind of coming into our own with their power moves, uh, really hitting some beautiful, uh, devastating looking moves that culminated in the power bomb you talked about. They got a great reaction from the crowd. I uh, thought Benoit was kind of the person that tied everything together in this match well. Uh, he was kind of a powerhouse when he dished it out, went toe to toe with both members of the Faces of Fear, helped, like, lead Mongo along when he was a little lost in the end. Um, and then the Halliburton spots, as you mentioned, were just nasty, <laughs> like, really popped off uh, the head of uh, the people that took those types of shots. So, yeah, a really fun match. Uh, the post-match 
gets a little crazy uh, mm-hmm. with the Sullivan ripping off his clothes, talking about calling Friday night. Um, very like personal vendetta. Um, I, I don't know. Like it, it's weird. Like it's got to be weird from a shoot perspective. Them two working, or them three really, Woman Sullivan and Benoit all working together. Like. Yeah, but at this point, she like that hadn't happened yet, right? Isn't that after? Uh, I think it had happened, or oh. was 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 at least happening. Okay. I'll need to. I'm pretty sure because I know by the um, Super Brawl match, like that's happened, I believe. Okay. Uh, let me let me look real quick. But yeah, it's it's uh. I don't know. <laughs> I think part of it has to be Sullivan knowing like it's maybe his last chance at a at a buddy feud, you know. So maybe he's yeah. like, well, screw it. But so they divorced in 1997. So okay. I think it was like they were, you know, having like I believe it was known that they were kind of having the affair. So right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, we'll see where it goes. Mm-hmm. It's weird. All right, Ted DiBiase is in the crowd. He says the NWO is up 2-0 on the night. Got two matches to go. The tag title match is next, and soon it'll be the NWO tag team titles. And Harlem Heat's next on the hit list, and he introduces the Outsiders. Uh, were you surprised it's taken this long for the Outsiders to get tag gold? <laughs> like, he, I, yeah. I feel like they haven't chased it to this point. It's kind of odd, you know? No, I mean, they've been in big matches. Mm-hmm. Like, they were in the big match at... Uh... You know, they were in the six-man, obviously, at Bash of the Beach, and then in a marquee tag match at Hogwild, and then they were in War Games. So I think just in pay-per-view, like, it's not like they haven't, they've wrestled on every pay-per-view. Um, right. Just well, even just on stuff. Nitro, you know what I mean? Just have them, they win the belts on Nitro. So I, I guess I want to try to say this. I'm surprised they've held off this long on doing it. I'm pulling the trigger. On yeah, well, I, I mean, I like that. I don't have a problem with that. I think that shows some restraint that we talked about, like when Hogan wasn't on every Nitro and how they kind of harbored those type of segments and reactions. So I think their usage so far has been well done, where, you know, as of now, they've only wrestled on Nitro, I believe, twice. So they're about once a month on Nitro, too. So, yeah. It's it's been sparingly so far. All right, well, they saunter through the crowd here, trying to add that gold. Harlem Heat come out, Parker and Sherry, big time spot for them. This is like a a good spotlight for them to be involved in the in a big time semi main with the with the NWO, two huge stars. So they're elevated big time. Tony says Parker and Sherry could be the weak spot. Last time they were in Vegas, it was about romance, not wrestling with them. (laughs) And of course, that references the the clash back in January when they had the wedding. Wrestling romance war. Yeah. Uh, every other Saturday here on North South. <laughs> the outsiders <laughs> grab the belt and hold them up. We had a great buzz in the arena as we get ready for the bell. Tony and Bobby talk about the NWO just take whatever they want. And Dusty notes that Nick Patrick is not the ref here. We get a little scrum in the crowd. Tony says maybe it's NWO versus WCW fans battling. Booker shoves a hall down to get us going. Bobby reminds us that Harlem Heat doesn't have to win to keep the gold away. Booker lands a sidekick and is looking measured and confident. Hall comes back with a boot and shoulder block and big right hands. The crowd definitely feels pro NWO here. Booker battles back. They trade some arm work and some hard strikes. That ends with Booker throwing Hall to the floor. Sherry barks at Hall and Stevie shoves him back in and tags. Nash tags as well. And we get a buzz as they stare down. 
Nash lands some hard knees and forearms and elbows, rattling Stevie. Nash eats a back elbow and a hard lariat. Stevie peacocks around to Hall. Stevie clobbers Nash and stomps away, tags in Booker and nails a scissors kick for two. Stevie is back in, lays in some more strikes, but Nash catches him and plants him with a side slam. Tags in Hall, who comes with a series of punches to the face. Hall hits a bulldog off the middle rope for two, but Stevie clocks him and tags Booker, who lands a leg lariat for two. Booker hooks a chin lock, but Hall breaks free and drills him for a close near fall. Nash tags in and crushes him with a big boot. The Outsiders work some tags and keep Booker in trouble. Hall gets two on a Uranagi and then uh, gets into it with Sherry, who slaps him, but Hall plants a kiss on her in return. Booker hits a spin kick as Hall turns around while Parker tries to console Sherry. Hall grabs a sleeper, but Booker turns into a sleeper of his own. Hall counters that and crushes him on the top rope. Both men wipe each other out, but Booker is the only one to make the tag. Stevie comes in and cleans house on both challengers. He press slams Hall into Nash, which is really impressive. Booker knocks Nash to the floor. Stevie hits a side slam on Hall, and Booker smashes him with the Harlem hangover. But Mark Curtis gets caught up with Booker and doesn't count. Parker comes in with a cane and then basically just gives it to Nash because he doesn't want to get beat up. Nash takes the cane, turns around, and smacks Stevie with it. And Hall covers to win the belts as Parker runs away. So I, I this is pretty fun. Uh, it was a good flow, never any sustained control, just a back and forth ebb and flow between both teams. A good payoff to Parker finally fucking up. They've talked about it for weeks and months here that he's the weak link. And he ends up costing all of WCW the gold. Hall, I thought was great here. I thought he really carried things for the outsiders. Uh, I thought Harlem Heat both look good too. They were elevated just by having this match, but they also held up their end of the bargain. And the gold goes to the NWO which is the only way to go. But they did protect Harlem Heat and losing by pinning it on Parker. So I went three stars, Chad. I thought this uh, probably outkicked expectations, I would say. Yeah, I I really like this match. I mean, it's three and a quarter for me. I, I think it's a bona fide capital G good tag match mm-hmm. um, before you get into the shenanigans. Uh, yeah, I mean, the crowd's very pro outsiders. It's a little unfortunate. Like, Harlem Heat's really had a couple of bad reactions uh, between the racist one and Sturgis and now this <laughs> yeah. one. Um, I kind of get it because they still have Sherry and Parker, so you don't necessarily want to cheer for them. But it was a little unfortunate here because I thought, like, you know, this – I need to look at it. This may be Stevie Ray's, like, performance. Like, he was – he was legit not bad at all in this match. Yeah, nice. Booker, Booker looked really good, too. Like, they were kind of laying it in. Uh, they had good kind of back and forth uh, with the uh, high spots of this match. Sherry slapping Hall on the outside was very humorous. Um, the Harlem hangover absolutely cracks Hall right in the face. Mm-hmm. That looked nasty. Um, and then the finish, uh, it was interesting. I liked it. Um you know, like they'd been playing up that Parker had been the problem throughout, and he's a complete wuss, uh, just giving up the cane. Um, and before that, you legit have, I mean, you know, you knew where it was going with Nick Patrick, but this is the actually cementing him full fledged NWO where he stops his count. So there's there's no going back now. Like mm-hmm. he. He kind of was forced once and for all to really show his hand, and he physically uh, had to stop his count. So there was that. Um, You know, he can grab his neck or whatever, but come on. Um, So so that was good, and getting that finally done, that's something they've been playing up for the past uh, two and a half months. So, you Mm -hmm. know, Hog Wild was really the first shoddy call that he made. 
Um, so, so that'd been a kind of long storyline that finally gets played off. It felt fitting that it finally kind of got blown off with the outsiders because that's where it started. Um, them winning the tag titles, they didn't really treat it like a joke. Like Nash says, like the plan's almost complete. So I like that. Like they kind of took it serious that they won, you know, they didn't just like chunk the belts or whatever. Like they were happy they won the belts and, Got one over again on WCW. So, overall, really fun match. Felt like a serviceable semi-main event on a pay-per-view. So, I, I thought it was a thumbs-up easy. All right. Uh, we get an ad for World War III, 1996. So, that's back for a second year. Yep. We then get the whole NWO in the crowd. And that includes Hollywood Hogan, who rallies them up. And he has just an absurd wig on. It's his hair yeah. from Three Ninjas, apparently. Uh, where it's just like this spiky blonde uh, where he's got, you know, no mustache. Like, it's just an odd look for a big time match. Again, I guess similar to the Slim Jim stuff. It's like timing kind of fucked him. But, you know, he didn't have the mustache. He had the different looks. <laughs> so they probably figured lean in on it. Yeah. I think it was also a call to, like, the shit we saw at the movie set last week. So he's it's almost like he rolled right in off the movie set. Right. Yeah, I can see that. It, it's know, weird. So. It's, yeah. it's a weird look. <laughs> it's for it's sure. odd for sure. Yeah. Uh, but his heel swaggers through the roof. Uh, he does say <laughs> his new movie, Santa with Muscles, opens up soon. Three Ninjas just wrapped, and he's here to beat up the long-lost, lovesick puppy, Macho Man. Um, <laughs> so, main event time. Mm-hmm. Hulk Hogan, Hollywood Hulk Hogan, taking on Macho Man Randy Savage for the WCW NWO heavyweight title. And uh, the build here has been great. We've really dug it for sure. And uh, who would have thought, right, we'd have this level of heat on this feud yet again, this far away, removed from their past stuff. Hogan struts out. He's got DiBiase and Giant with him. A lot of build and hype. Tony says Hall and Nash were thrown out of the building due to a backstage altercation after their match. Buffer is here. He does the big-time intros, really sets the stage. Savage comes out. He's wearing orange and black. He brings out the Macho Man Slim Jim Monster Truck. Again, just like weird vibes, like... All of this has been Savage is dark and fucked up. And now he's out here, like, just being the old Savage. He's got the Slim Jim truck. He's got the orange on for Halloween. Um, Savage has to get his goon stooges and bad carriers out of here. He's going to kick his ass. And, and, like, I guess I guess if they would have played it up as, like, Savage was never dark and he was just playing mind games with Hogan, it would make sense. But, like, there's no explanation as to why he's not really effed in the head coming out here. I don't know. Again, out of the gate, not only just the contesting earlier, it kind of lingers here, too, where it's kind of confusing with all the bill that they put into it. Uh, Randy Anderson tosses Giant. Hogan tries to beg off and, and tells Giant to stay, but Randy makes him go. Dusty notes that Liz is missing from ringside here. Hogan stalls and paces around, tries to keep baiting Savage into snapping. Savage stays on point, though. He waits for Hogan to come in. Hulk keeps pushing the envelope, but stalling. Tony says the monster truck in the, in the aisle wasn't the actual prize. They gave away a road legal version. Hogan finally grabs the side headlock, but bails out as Savage pops up off a shoulder block. Just a heel master class here from Hogan. Bobby talks about how all the fans used to care so much for Hogan before he turned on them. Hogan puts the shades back on and eases into a test of strength, but it's just a bait as he kicks Savages down and grinds his face to the mat while talking shit. Hogan walks through some basic strikes while also playing to the crowd and strutting. He has his character fully on display here. He, Savage comes back with a flurry of punches to a top rope axe handle that knocks the sunglasses off. Now Savage puts the sunglasses on. 
Hogan begs off and offers his hand, but Savage kicks him, and then crutches him with a punch and rips his wig off in the process. Just simple, simple stuff. Savage now puts the wig on. Hogan realizes the wig is gone. He sees it on Savage and charges at him. Savage peppers him out of the ring and down the aisle, shoves the wig in his mouth. Savage cracks Hogan with a chair shot, but Randy blocks a second one. Randy Anderson, that is. And Hogan clobbers him, and he lands a chair shot to the back. Hogan hits another chair shot as DiBiase ties up the ref. Hogan continues to batter Savage on the floor. Liz shows up, similar to WrestleMania 5, but she's now stuck between them. The announcers play that out. Hogan chokes away in the ring, but Savage gets a flash cover for two. Hogan stomps and slugs and barks at Liz. Savage mounts a comeback, clotheslines the champion to the floor. Hogan uses Liz as a shield, a great callback to the old days. Back inside, Savage slams Hogan, who bails out and puts Savage to the floor. They trade punches, but Hogan again uses Liz and shoves her into Savage. Hogan hits the big boot on Savage in the ring. Liz comes in to protect uh, him as Hogan prances. Hogan pulls her up and throws her to the corner and berates her. He tries a leg drop, but Savage dodges it. Hogan grabs a foreign object from DiBiase. Liz yanks it away, so Hogan nails the ref by accident. Nick Patrick is out to booze, but he doesn't get in the ring. Savage lands a boot and slams Hogan and heads up top. Hits a uh, great big elbow. Nick Patrick comes in and counts two, but before the three, he grabs his neck in pain. He stops. Savage grabs Patrick. He shoves him down, rips the brace off and his shirt. Hogan has the object, but Savage blocks him, grabs it, and clobbers Hogan with it. Savage goes up top, but DiBiase pulls him down. Savage stalks DiBiase as Giant comes out and saves. Shoves uh, Savage to the railing, chokeslams him on the floor. Giant then drags Savage in the ring and puts Hogan on top to win the match as Nick Patrick counts the fall to booze. Uh, Obviously, we have a big post-match coming. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, I thought it was crazy to see Hogan and Savage working a freaking comedy match, but here we are. Uh, Hogan is owning the heel stuff. He's playing all the mind games he could dig up. Savage was good here, too. Even though it went against the story, uh, he did show up focused and in mind space that WCW needed him. But a lot of this was goofy and simple. The crowd bit into it, uh, and it escalated and got more intense toward the end. We had some nice callbacks and touches to their history with, with Liz. And it was obviously limited. A lot of character stuff, but still a good watch and a payoff to send Savage packing for a while. The end of the match chaos was heavy. It worked well, uh, but still very goofy that no one from WCW saves or gets involved. They just let Nick Patrick work the match like nothing. No other refs come out. It's just a bunch of bullshit. It's like, where's the resistance to it? Uh, By this point, we should have some. As usual, Hogan beat Savage, but he didn't do it alone this time. He needed a lot of help, so maybe Savage was protected. Uh, More to come from Hogan in a minute. So I ended up just going two stars. I I don't know. It's... It wasn't good, but I guess that's all they could do, like, with Hogan in this role. So, again, very comedy-heavy, very strategic-heavy, not a lot of action, and, uh, you know, some storyline threading historically and currently that helped. Again, I I thought it was missing a little bit of the build. Like, I thought they went through so much build and didn't really pay that off in in the match. Yeah, uh, so a couple things. One, I'm sorry, I uh, I had the matches mixed up. Nick Patrick's the mm-hmm. you know, his shoddy counts in this match. Right. So this is when he does the two, not the other, with the yeah. shit with Colonel Parker in the previous match. So, you know, forget all that. Hands up. Uh, bad job on me. This this match is weird. I think this is a weird match. Um, you know, I was I was kind of ready to. Uh, I'd, I'd, I'd caught some reviews of the match and then you watched this show before. So you kind of warned me too. Um, it, it actually really lowered my expectations going in. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying they were far surpassed. Um, 
I don't know. I kind of have to unpack it still as I talk about it. I ended up going two and a half just sort of as a cop out. Like I thought it was decent for what it was. Uh, I do think the announcers did a decent enough job in saying like, you know, Savage is a head case, but had to compose himself and couldn't just go like full bore, you know, into the match going wild. And uh, that would have cost him at the end. So I did think they did a good enough job in the first portion of the match um, explaining that. Right. Uh, On the other hand, there is so much comedy in that first half of the match, like between and even into the second half, um, like between the wig stuff and Mm -hmm. Hogan, like goofing around, there's a lot kind of played for laughs. Uh, it's, it's a weird structure for uh, what you would have thought would have been like a brawl or blood feud type match, uh, going in. And, um, once the wig stuff, uh, is done and Savage goes to the outside and attacks Hogan, I, I thought that made the match step up a good degree. Uh, I I like that kind of that second half of the match. And I thought like you could again, conceivably say like, Oh, well this is Savage's opportunities on top. Now, now he has to go for broke. He can really like demolish Hogan and stuff like that. And you see it cost him because he does get carried away. He goes for the chair shot. He hits it, which is a nice chair shot. The Hogan takes uh, mm-hmm. the first one, um, and then the second one's blocked, and then that's when Hogan takes over. Uh, Hogan on top. We talked about like how uh, NWO's gotten a great reaction. Like Hogan works so deplorably on top, he just doesn't get that same reaction. Like it's, it's. It, <laughs> I don't know. Like, it's like how meta is his actual work? Like, he's such a heel heel. Like, he's raking, he's clawing, right. he's punching. Like, there's nothing cool or redeemable about what he's doing from a moveset standpoint nope. um, right now. So, it, it really hurts in him being just a scuzzy heel. Uh, Savage pulling down his pants was kind of embarrassing. Um, the stuff with Liz... And the foreign object kind of got drawn out, but was dramatic. Uh, I agree that the elbow drop looked really good. And then, uh, yeah, once you get the Nick Patrick count, like that's that. So that pays off that whole thing where, you know, he's screwed Savage now. Um, And then the Giant really kind of being Hogan's big buddy. Um, I thought that really played up in this match that mm-hmm. the giant was really Hogan's muscle because uh, he's the one that shoves Savage like into the guardrail, then choke slams him on the floor, and basically Hogan gets rolled on top of him again like that. You know, it's it's one of those weird things. Like Hogan doesn't look strong at all. He didn't hit an offensive move to win this match, but it's Hulk, it's Hulk Hogan, so he kind of can do that. Like with this character. I don't necessarily think like, oh, it's a mistake to make him look that weak. Like it kind of plays into it. it. It works like he's he's just so protective of like his top spot that's, you know, coming away that he, you know, is surrounded himself with these guys and the giant. And it's it's all it's all like the emperor has no clothes. So it's it's a really interesting psychology uh, that you're not used to seeing like on top it's uh as a heel champion like 
I mean, maybe Yokozuna, I guess, 93. Um, but, like, Flair was more competent throughout his run than right. what we see with Hogan. So I'm trying to think of other big, like, heel champions in the previous but 20 years. It's not even that, too. Like, it's he's got a history of being super credible and dominant. Yeah, right? yeah. That's why I think it doesn't matter that he didn't, you know, right. he didn't even hit the leg drop. Or yeah, like you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah it don't matter. Um, so, I mean, all in all, yeah, like, I don't, I don't know, like, the reviews of this match, like, Scott Keith gives it negative two, uh, mm-hmm. Big Dave gives it a star, like, it's, it's pretty maligned, um, I don't think it was great or anything, but I, I, I didn't think, it certainly wasn't as bad as I kind of thought going in, like, if you'd have told me, like, it's just gonna be, like, a half comedy match and then right. Hogan Hill, like, uh, it, I mean, that's really the match structure, like, without seeing it. Uh, if you tell me, like, the elevator pitch of the match, that's what it is. I'd have been like, oh, this this could be really, really bad. And I didn't think it was that bad. So I think what bothered me the most was just the deviation from the storyline throughout the night. Like, it was just more the time we spent into making Savage emotional and dark and broken. Like, it, it's been, like, a month's worth. I mean, it started with him charging in the hotel, right, with, you're going to be a ribbon, you know, with the with Liz signing the deal. Then Liz on the swing, on the movie set, Savage in the dark leather, like, and then it's like none of it happened. He's just out here wrestling a match. So it just felt, like, completely disconnected from all the weeks of build that we put into this. I think there could have been a couple more moments if they were going to do the match structure this way. There could have been a couple more moments of like Savage having to compose himself, gather himself. Like you could have done, sprinkled that into the first half for sure. Yeah, just, I don't know. Didn't feel in line with all the time we invested. It's not like it was a throwaway thing before the show. It's like we spent weeks deconstructing Macho Man's mental state so they could take advantage of him. And that is like, none of it mattered. So, uh, or at least call it out say, Oh, it looks like it failed, but it didn't look like it failed six days ago. So I don't know. It just felt like it just existed in a different universe than the rest of the weeks of build that we've had, including yeah. the monster truck thing and all that. So. Well, yeah, the monster truck thing's weird. That's another weird thing, especially because, like, Tony originally says that's the winner, and then he has to retcon that, so somebody must have gotten his ear and be like, no, tell them that's not the one they're winning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and Dusty's like, oh, yeah, I ruled in that. That ain't street legal, baby. <laughs> it was like, oh, boy, it was all over the place. <laughs> so that was weird for sure. All right, after the bell rings, Giant goes and gets a big bowl of ice water. He pours it on Hogan to wake him up. Savage gets dragged back by trainers and officials as Hogan brags on his win with Giant. And I'll admit, I didn't remember this. I thought they beat the shit out of Savage after the match, but mm-hmm. I guess I was thinking of the Nitros leading up to this. I don't know why I thought they assaulted him and left him laying here, but um, so he's gone. Uh, Nick Patrick stumbles off to booze as well. Hogan says he's tired of Ted Turner and he's going to take over. <laughs> like, oh, he's feuding with Ted Turner. Turner Turner's not to do with it. <laughs> uh, he's taking over WCW. They're headed out of town. Tony starts to wrap things up, but. Bagpipes fill the air, and everyone's confused until out stalks Rowdy Roddy Piper. Piper gets a big pop, has some random street tough and a beret with him. Bobby talks about the history together. Piper's focused. He locks in, pulls out a microphone. He tells Giant to not even think about coming near him. Piper just says hi. He asks Hogan if he's bored, and if he is, he's here to break the monotony. He tells Giant to leave. Hogan says there's a lack of communication because when he said he owns and controls wrestling, he remembers that him and Piper used to run neck and neck. Piper tells him to shut up. 
says he's not here to represent the WCW, the NWA, the SPCA, the SOBs. Hogan tells him to really be careful. Piper says he made a lot of money being careful and calls Hogan Charlie Brown. Says he's here for reality check because he's just as big an icon as Hogan is. He's just as big a Hollywood star as well. And he's shooting with these comments. And he doesn't care because he's a multimillionaire too. He's been wrestling since he's age 15. He has 6,000 matches. He's been stabbed three times. He keeps calling Giant Sprout throughout this whole thing. He tells Hogan to shut up again. He says he's already caught this act. He doesn't want to hear it. He says Hogan has been playing air guitar or was playing guitar at Tootsie's while he was wrestling in garages. Hogan cuts him off and says they ran together. They fought together. He's got no issue with Piper. And as he was off making movies, he admits they ran neck and neck. Piper says, not yet. We're not done yet. He brings up WrestleMania, says if he didn't knock out Mr. T, battle the NYPD and had his way with Liberace, it was the fans hating him that made them cheer Hogan so much. Piper says it bothers Hogan that he was never able to beat him and it's just as big a deal as Hogan and Hulk has to admit it. Shake his hand. That it was the people that made Hogan, not the other way around. Hogan says they've had wars to settle the score. It didn't get settled. He figured Piper was at peace at home. But now that they're face-to-face, he admits that Piper's just the biggest star as he is, and he holds out his hand, and Piper shakes it. Piper tells Hogan to straighten up, and he's done. That's all he wanted was Hogan to respect him. So Piper starts to leave, but Hogan tells Piper, be sure to squat when you're using the bathroom on your way out of the arena. <laughs> Piper stops and turns around. Hogan says he's just messing with the NWO and he stepped back into his world. Thinks maybe they need the war that didn't settle the score. Piper says he's the reason Hogan has no hair. Hulk says Piper's day is coming. Piper and Giant leave as Piper says he has no fair Giant. Piper says Hogan forgot something and he grabs the belt. Hogan comes back and says they have a problem. He keeps ranting until and gives Hogan the belt back. But we have to cut out the feed before he can finish because we run out of satellite time. Uh, I thought it was a great debut. Piper did a really good job blending history with future prospects. He's a good addition as everybody needs a strong voice in opposition to Hogan right now. Someone that can hang on his level and has credibility. I'd say the only thing is Piper's usual corniness kind of seeped into some of this stuff, which does sometimes take away from things like Sprout and, you know, his comments that don't resonate fully. But I thought this went probably about as well as I could have hoped for uh, working in a guy like Piper. And this felt like another blow to the WWF. Like, I remember at the time being like, oh, man, another guy. Like, he had just been on as president not that long ago, and here he is in WCW. So it felt like another defection as the as strengthening continues for WCW. Um, but this is really well done. I mean, it makes you forget Savage right away. Uh, and we're on to the next one, right, for Hogan. But uh, I, I think, it, you know, I don't think you could hope for more probably out of these guys. I think from a moment... Uh... It's very cool. Um, and I think for the precipice of what can um, lead to, it's also very cool. I, the execution was actually a good bit worse than I remembered. I blame a lot of that on Piper. Um, and we'll get to it. Like, Piper is just someone that, like, now watching his run from the 80s, like, really looking at that stuff, like, he was so mm-hmm. great. And yeah. even in like 92, he starts to show signs of like, eh, you know, I mean, like the bologna sandwiches, WrestleMania 8, it's kind of funny, but a little odd here. Like, you know, he just needed somebody to say, look, Piper, you got like six minutes. You got to be tight with this. We're in a tight window. This is what we want to get across. Like you can do your thing. But I mean, that it, it, it was awkward. Like that. He kept saying, well, one more thing. It's like, and then Tony basically had to just sign off. Like we didn't get the credits 
that we normally do um and on the network version this is two hours and 59 minutes like they ran right up to the window so um it's it's a little unfortunate now some of the stuff they did say within the promos of each other enjoy like a lot of shooty comments the wrestlemania's mentioned world war that didn't settle the score mm-hmm. uh whatnot so so i did like that i mean it's certainly something where they uh don't shy away from their history with each other uh, which i appreciated um but yeah just a a little bit of tightening up from piper i think this would have been much well done but as a moment it's great like it's definitely another shot across the bow like it's it's a nice get because i mean this is someone that hadn't been in jcp or wcw since 1984 like early 84 so um a, a really big coup you know Six, 12 and a half years since he'd last appeared so it felt like a big deal for sure all right and that wraps up our show uh i think piper obviously clearly went long uh on there yeah. because he yeah. kept talking you could tell hogan was trying to cut him off a few times i think he knew that uh yeah like hogan hogan like leaves the ring and tells giant to come on and yeah piper's like no another thing come on in here it's like all right, right. dude yeah. yeah hogan do they had to go <laughs> uh they end up and they end up obviously dumping out it's do very you, abrupt it's like we gotta go <laughs> do you so think they cool. knew at this point that piper was gonna have an extended run or do you think it was only gonna be like this and and one match or something? i'm trying to remember if there was anything in the nitro book i don't think they assumed he'd be you know like a year-long run right uh they may have had like an idea up till uh super brawl mm-hmm. but um but yeah I, I wouldn't have thought they would have thought that it would be a long-term thing right i I, right. I mean a lot could probably depend once we get to Starcade, we'll talk about the buy rate of that mm-hmm. show but that that could have led to a lot more piper for sure right all right, let's get to our awards. Uh, match of the night, I believe we both had Mysterio Malenko. Yep. Moment, uh, Piper's debut for me. Yeah, I think, I mean, even with my transgressions of it, that's clearly the big moment. I mean, I think that if if you hear Halloween Havoc 96, people think that's when Piper showed up. Like it's right. the main takeaway. MVP, I just ended up going with the NWO. I, I know it's a cheat when we do this. We've done it a few times, but I, they were just dominant. They went 4-0. They brought more gold. DiBiase in the crowd. Like, they all had good matches. They were all on point. It was their night. You know, I actually wrote down Rey Mysterio. Mm. Um, I think I'm going to change that on the fly. I'm going with a little bit maybe of surprise as we talked about the show. I'm going to go with Nick Patrick. Oh, okay. Jenny's favorite referee. <laughs> uh, I just thought the way that he conveyed like progressively getting worse and worse throughout the show uh leading in the conclusion of him not counting blatantly not counting in the main event uh, it really worked for me like when you talk about it and think about it um as a like bottle standalone like character uh digression into becoming a heel um, yeah it worked, and it, you know, I mean, we'll see like what happens with him and Jericho, but it certainly set that up too. Like they had no problems, and mm-hmm. uh, that's something that's something I'm more interested in than him and Teddy Long. So on the yep. surface, so we'll see how it plays out. Yeah, they definitely had uh, 
definitely a good night for Nick Patrick, and, and it was a, yeah. a key part of all the storylines. Mm-hmm. Uh, any commentary lines you want to call out? Yeah, I mean, they're all dusty. So he says, almost in the holy gully. Uh, one, <laughs> I think it was the Arn Anderson Lake Sluger match at the beginning. Like, I guess they had some, I don't know, like ladies that were ringside girls that were around, but they walked by the commentary booth and Dusty like just does an audible like law <laughs> basically cat calling them uh then him and Tony had a very funny uh interaction where he like brings up a point nobody says anything and he's like you know I thought that was a good point you you should have nobody said nothing and then Tony's like, do I have to answer you for everything? And, <laughs> and then he says something a couple minutes later. Tony's like, great point, Dream. Good job. It was a funny back and forth between them two. And Dusty plays it. Too. He's like, what did you think, Bob? What did you think about that? And all that. Uh, and then on the low blow uh, that uh, was it the one Flair gave or was there another low blow? Uh, maybe in the tag title match. I think it was in yeah. the tag title match. Uh, Dusty says you're nuts if you don't think that hurts, which was funny. So a lot of good, uh, a lot of good Dusty lines as usual. All right, uh, shots fired. I just went with, I mean, all the thirty F mentions, I guess, from Piper and Hogan. So I mean, not really shots mm-hmm. fired, but references. Uh, yeah. Debuts. We just had Roddy Piper. Yeah, I think that's it, really. Um. Final grade. I went seven out of ten. Uh, I mean, a very good show. I think it's below the the super great shows we've had earlier in you know in the middle of the year with Gilmore Bash and Bash of the Beach and Fall Brawl, et cetera. But uh, still a really strong pay per view outing. Yeah, I, I, I was teetering between a seven and a half and an eight. It's very close. Uh, I ended up giving it the nod to the, an eight um, with the Piper moment and a great match and. You know, besides the main event and the Luger-Anderson match, the other six matches I had at least ranked good on my ratings. Uh, so a very, like, even, even Steven, steady show for me from a star rating standpoint. Like, it, it starts hot. That's the high point in ring with Ray and Dean. But um, I, I thought it was a pretty good show in uh, remaining consistent and providing good action throughout. Uh, with some cool storyline developments too. All right. So I mean that's that's still lower than the uh, bash at the beach, Great American Bash and Fall Brawl though for me. Right. So this is the fourth. And I do like Starcade. We'll see. So I mm-hmm. mean this might end up being the fifth. Which again, like I don't you know, we talked about like DBSI, like there's probably not any uh I, I don't know if there's any uh more disparaging difference between the first half and <laughs> yes. pay-per-views either than WCW. Well, just look at Slamboree. I mean, Slamboree was yeah. terrible. Like, not terrible. I went four and a half. It's not Set- good. Right. Uncensored, so maligned. We actually like Super Brawl the least out of all the pay-per-views. Then, so. Like, Grand American Bash, I went eight. Bash of the Beach, you know, what was that? Mm-hmm. It'd be a nine, nine right? Nine for you. I'm nine and a half. I mean, I, Bash of the Beach is my benchmark probably till Canadian Stampede. Yeah. Fall Brawl, eight and a half for me. So, yeah, yep. I mean, it's, it's been a run. Like, Havoc at seven feels low, but it's still high for a pay-per-view. So. Yep. Um, all right. Let's get to our combo awards, and we can wrap up here tonight. 
So bring that up. Uh, October pay-per-view. So I think we're obviously both going Halloween Havoc, even though uh, Buried Alive was a formidable opponent for sure. Yeah, probably closer than they've been in a while. So best match we're going Mysterio Malenko. Yeah. Okay. Uh, best segment. What do we go with Buried Alive? I mean, it's probably Piper either way, right? Yeah, I think it's Piper. Like I yeah. did, like you know, Undertaker raising his hand. Like that's one right. thing. But yeah, I think Piper's return. I mean, commentary is just always going to be dusty. Yeah, probably. It's gonna be it's gonna be tough to uh, knock out Big Dust. So, star of the night for Buried Alive went Mankind. Uh, you went Nick Patrick. I went NWO. Did you go Mankind for Buried Alive? I uh, did. You want to go him? Yeah, we can. Okay. Honestly, I think you'd think it would be Piper, but I don't know. His execution. Was I didn't great. think he was that great. Yeah, he was all right. It was more of the moment than the what it was, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, the moment hit, but the promo was definitely shaky. Yeah. Um. All right. Buy rate, I'm assuming, was Havoc. Yeah, buy a good bit. So, yeah. Havoc's a .7. 250,000 buys, same amount roughly as Bash at the Beach. So this is the most, and uncensored, like uncensored was a 0.72. Right. That's still just a crazy show that it Mm -hmm. did that good. Um, uh, Overall, like those are estimated. It's possible, like, you know, this, this, uh, the actual numbers are a little vague. WrestleNomics has a pretty cool article trying to decipher them, but uh, this this is in the running for most pay-per-view buys in WCW history on a per-buy standpoint. Uh, it's probably Bash at the Beach because it's both uncensored and, and Halloween Havoc have a .7 buy rate. Bash right. at the Beach is .71, so I'd guess Bash at the Beach is slightly ahead, but I mean, this is top three in company history as far as buy rates, uh, pay-per-view buys. Uh, contrarily, Buried Alive was 0. 0.4, uh, not great. Um, actually, lower than Mind Games. Mind Games was 0. 0.48, uh, lower than like even something like Beware of Dog, which you might not think, which is 0. 0.45. The only pay per view so far in 1996 that Buried Alive beat was International Incident, was which was a 0. 0.37. Uh, so pretty decisive victory for WWE, WCW here. All right. Uh, so that's that. Another pay-per-view month in the books. Maybe at the end of 96, Chad, we should tally up some of these combo awards and see what the, what the tallies are for each uh, category. But uh, Mankind narrowly prevents another sweep for WCW. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's WCW heavy, but that's that. That's two. That's two combined months in a row mankind's been the star of the night combined mm-hmm. so pretty good run yeah i mean he's he's been everyone thinks 96 is, is Shawn michaels year but mankind's been the savior and grace to this point since yeah. at least april uh that's gonna shift i think starting on our next one <laughs> but for now and <laughs> it's been him uh all right so in two weeks we'll be back we'll have the uh nitro following the pay-per-view the night after havoc and then a very interesting episode of Monday Raw that we'll dig into 
Uh, it's also notable because it's the last Raw to air at 9 p.m. for a while. So we'll get into all that. Um, and then we're closing in a month from tonight at a very famous night of Monday Night Wrestling uh, soon. So until we get to that, everyone take care. Continue to listen to everything in our South Connection Podcast Network. We appreciate your support. And smell that napalm. That's all you see. To the top if you want to rock and roll.